guys, welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. The Training Camp Podcast. I got a new chair. With a multitude of guests. <laughs> can't say he's wrong, am I right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, dolphins. <laughs> no, I, I really like Stupid games. 5-0 last week. That's right. 5-0. Dak Prescott, you could lock up that four seed. Again, it's not blazing hot. 65 degrees. I'm going to do this for fun. They threw to Michael Thomas. The Heat. How? Chicago. Yes, you guys get an F. And a little too much personality. No, no. Last week. No, no, Ravens? Oh, fuck. Give me that. <laughs> no way. There's no way. Hammering. Three. Really, do not talk about him. This was my fault. Flex the game. Here we go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. We got a stacked show. Bro, news of the week is actually a problem. It was so small yesterday, and it's just gotten literally within like the last three hours. It got added probably a good two to five minutes. So there's that. We got a special guest coming on later who I'm really excited to talk to. Uh, and honestly, the first segment that we do before we talk with Nick, I'm really excited about as well. So we're just going to hop into it. Also, look, it's a brand new shirt. It's pink. There we go. It's uh, look at look at look at me making my way in the world. It's not the white one or the black one or the purple one. We're changing. Anyway, let's hop into news of the week because we got we have no time to kill here. Uh, so we're just gonna go chronologically from when I started writing my notes down. <laughs> so uh, the Ravens did trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs for uh, it was the Chiefs, uh, the 31st overall pick as well as a fourth overall pick, and then I know that the uh, Chiefs I think they got a second round pick from the Ravens back as well. Love the move by the Chiefs. Uh, I know the Ravens did get some picks back as well, like as well, obviously. But I don't know, man. Uh, I think the Chiefs win that trade because if you can get a, an O lineman with the talent that uh, Orlando Brown has at the 31st overall pick, you'll take that every time. It's like why I justify Pittsburgh taking Minka or trading that pick for Minka. Like you're, if you can get a player with his talent at the 15th overall, which I would have selected the 15th overall pick, you do that every single time. So yeah, I actually, I love this for the Chiefs. I don't understand this for the Ravens. I'm wondering if the Ravens are gonna maybe package their pick and this Chiefs pick to move up and either get an offensive lineman or wide receiver. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, weird. Weirdness by the Ravens there. Um, but very, very smart for the Chiefs. Who knows, they might fucking repeat at this point. Uh, going to the NBA, because literally all of our news of the week today is NFL. Uh, Zion is now the fastest to reach 2000 since Jordan. Jesus, wow. Uh, if we're talking like a most under the radar player, like media coverage wise, I think Zion falls under that. I think just once LaMelo came into the league, it's that Toy Story meme of like, I don't want to play with you anymore. And they threw Zion away, but Zion's like living up to all the expectations people had for him. So shout out to Zion. That's absolutely nuts. Especially to think about the fact that he reached this, obviously the fastest to 2000 since Jordan. He also sat out like half of the, his rookie season. So that's absolutely amazing. Zion is going to be probably the future of this league if I had to guess. Uh, going back to the NFL. The Browns picked up Baker's fifth-year deal. Makes a whole bunch of sense, honestly. He's not one of those quarterbacks where, uh, like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, where like they're ready to start getting contract talks. Um, I know that you know him and Josh Allen are kind of similar in playoff success, but I think talent-wise, it's obvious that Josh Allen has more. I think that the Browns just want to be able to see if Baker can carry the team, uh, because we've seen that it's a very play-action-based offense, and they need the run if they want. Uh, Baker to succeed. So I think it's a smart. It's basically just a earn your earn your keep year, uh, year, and we'll see how he does this year. If they if they win the division, expect him to get like a big contract because that's just kind of what happens nowadays. 
Um, back to the NBA, John Wall is done for the season with a hamstring injury. It, it sucks for him because he's like, his whole career is just injury, 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 injury. But, I mean, what are you missing? You're not going to the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, I think he's on the last year of his deal, too, so who knows if he'll be in, in Houston next year. I doubt it. I doubt he'll be in Houston next year. Um, or maybe he will be, but his contract won't be as big, and they can get him help. I don't know. That whole situation's a mess. I just feel bad for John Wall because he just can't escape the injury bug, man. Uh, going back to the Ravens, they also picked up Lamar's fifth-year deal. This one was really interesting because, in my opinion, Lamar has more talent than Baker Mayfield. Not for quarterback position, just overall talent. Um... But, like, again, Lamar is probably going to want, like, $40 million, but he can't throw the ball. So it's really hard to see. If he makes those steps this year, it's, again, it's the same situation for Baker. Baker and Lamar are literally in the exact same situation in the same division, too, where, like, I think if both these players make the playoffs next year, which with the seven-game playoff is very possible, if they both make the playoffs, they're both going to get a bag. I, I think Lamar's will be a lot more because he has the MVP on his belt and everything. But, um, yeah, no, I think I just – okay. For me, Baker Mayfield is worth like $33 million, and Lamar is worth like 33 as well. Because they're both talented, but for both different reasons. Uh, you have Baker who's more of a game operator and a game manager, and you have Lamar who's more of a... I don't want to say a generational talent, because we have... Or a generational outlier, but like we've had Michael Vick, we have a Kyler Murray. Like that's The game's evolving to the athletic, but Lamar is just on the next level. Um, so yeah, I think, again, very, very smart for the Ravens to pick up that fifth-year deal. Uh, all right, here we go. All the all the NFL news. So uh, the Broncos got Teddy Bridgewater, and they did not do anything with their eighth overall pick. So who knows what they're gonna do there? I doubt they're gonna take a quarterback now. So JP apparently on the mock draft last week is like a soothsayer because my man didn't have them taking Trey Lance, but Trey Lance was available. And uh, like I genuinely don't see a reality where they bring in a third quarterback to crowd that quarterback room. I think that they just want a real competition between. Like, I feel like Teddy Bridgewater is basically a veteran by now. So between a vet and a young player and Drew Locke. Drew Locke has been training. You guys have heard me say this a million times. He's been training with Peyton Manning this season, so I'm really excited to see what he does. But, uh, yeah, no, there's no way that they are going to uh, take a quarterback at that pick. I would not be surprised if they even moved down to acquire more draft picks for the future. I'm going to say this, though. Hot take. Uh, the Broncos are the Bears of the AFC. <laughs> like, great foundational past. They have their place in the NFL's, like, history books. But... Man, they are really bad with quarterbacks and honestly are just like all defense and that is it. They have a couple good offensive weapons. I'm talking about both teams. Like these are the comparisons. Uh, a couple good offensive weapons, but like the quarterback, they can just never get right. The head coach, I like Pac I like Matt Nagy, but their GM has not done them any favors. But, uh, and, but then vice versa for uh, the Broncos. So, that, yeah. Anyways, I, how do I think that the, he's going to do? I, I honestly don't know if Terry Bridgewater is going to win the starting position because he's more expensive than Drew Locke, and Drew Locke is younger, so they can build upon him more. I wonder if Terry Bridgewater gets traded in the middle of the season. That would not surprise me. Um, uh, the Falcons are taking calls for Julio Jones. doesn't surprise me, honestly, just because how big his contract is. This I was going to talk about this at the, the beginning of News of the Week with, when I was talking about the Ravens, but I was going to save it for now. If the Ravens package like those two picks for... Um, a Julio, I think that would make a lot of sense because it fits their cap space too. And honestly, that would help out Lamar a lot. Again, relating back to what we just talked about with the fifth year option, that would just be huge and help out Lamar in like just immensely. Um, I think I think there's about a 60% chance that Julio is a Falcon when the season starts. Uh, I think other teams that could probably target him, I think the Niners definitely are a team that, should, that could target him. Um, 
The Patriots could, I don't know if they have the cap space anymore. Maybe they move one of the wide receivers they just signed. I don't know, but I don't think he'll be in the NFC, honestly. I think they would have to be a King's Ransom. I know they're also shopping, the Falcons are also shopping the fourth overall pick, but they are asking for a lot there as well. So, yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe just take Kyle Pitts and move to wide receiver and trade uh, Dre Julio. I don't know. I'm not a GM. Uh, oh, I know this definitely won't happen, but I would love to see him in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on the other side. Oh, that'd be, that'd be beautiful. Anyway, uh, and then lastly for news of the week, another wide receiver news. Uh, Antonio Brown got re-signed to the, to the Buccaneers for $3 million. Man, Antonio, he fell off, man. You fell off. You could have had a bag if you would have stayed with Pittsburgh. If you just kept your composure and not gone nuts, you would have been in Pittsburgh right now. Maybe a Super Bowl. Who knows? And uh, probably a lot higher paid. But I guess you do have a Super Bowl. <laughs> I didn't think that through, did I? But, uh, no, nah, $3 million. Bro, the Buccaneers are knocking futs. They're fucking unreal. I don't understand how they're doing this. Do they win the next three Super Bowls? Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Like, seriously, I, I, I mentioned earlier, like, oh, yeah, the game is moving towards more athletic quarterbacks, yet Tom Brady is, like, still winning games somehow. And he's not even just winning them. It's not like, oh, he had one touchdown and two picks. No, he's throwing for, like, three touchdowns every game. I don't understand it, man. Anyways, that was news of the week. I need some coffee. <laughs> uh, so, next segment. We just had the Oscars on Sunday. Shout out to all the nominees and all those who won. Um, I love watching the Oscars. Me and JP, we do this thing called Movie Tuesdays. We go to movie every single Tuesday. Man, it was a, it was, it was rough during the pandemic there because like nothing was out, nothing was out. Like we, we saw the same movie. <laughs> I would go by myself sometimes because JP was busy. I had to see the same movie because there's nothing out. Um, but yeah, so the Oscars were coming up. So I was like, you know, what? I'm in the, mo- I'm, I'm in an award mood. Let's give out some awards. And we're about to be at the end of the NBA regular season, and so these are. I don't want to say these are my predictions. These are just like who I think should win because I don't think all of these will come true. I think I'll be like 90% on all on these, but there are some that I, d- I know people will disagree with and uh, the voters will disagree with as well. So these are just who I believe in in my heart who who are the who are the award winners. So let's get some like fun award show music going and let's get into this. So we're gonna start with the headliner, man. This is the best picture. This is MVP. Who is the MVP of the NBA season for 2020-2021? Yeah, Stephen Curry. Yeah, it is. He's unreal. He's leading the league in points right now. He's leading the league in points per game as well. He just broke an NBA record for most threes in a month. And the month isn't over, I'll let you know. It's, uh, as of today, it's the 28th. So we still have like... We still have like two days. So he's just going to extend that lead. Uh, this Warriors team would be probably a 15-win team without him. There's no way uh, we've seen it when he kind of went out with the injury that this team is literally nothing but Stephen Curry and his god-tier ability to play basketball. Uh, yes, he's a top three point guard of all time, if not top two. Yes, probably cracking my top ten all-time players as well. Not only because of his talent, but he revolutionized the game. Uh, rookie of the year. I know one of my butter means was like, why can't we have two like co-winners because Lamelo went out with an injury and Anthony Edwards was like just going off but um Lamelo Ball is the rookie of the year man he's there's a chance he comes back I know that so maybe maybe he like pops off after I say this or maybe he's like just shits the bed but from what we've seen so far yeah he I think being in Australia helped him out a lot I think playing 
out of college seems to be like the move because you got look at like Luca, um, you look at Lamella Ball, and I, we have uh, what's his name who's coming out of Australia next year, uh, who's highly touted as well. So I think you're just you're playing against professionals in, r rather than uh, college schemes, and so I think that really helped out Lamelo. And honestly, like he got better from his Australian, from when he played in the Australian league, he. Uh, he looks 10 times better than I thought he would in his rookie year. This, What he looks like now is what I thought he would look like in like three years. That's genuinely. Uh, he's also got a little more mature, which, again, I didn't think he would. But, hey, I love when people prove me wrong. Um, and also, he just made that Charlotte team a lot of fun to watch. I think if I had an award for, like, the funnest team to watch, it would probably be Charlotte because win or lose, that team is just... Uh, the announcers alone, you, you know what I'm talking about. The announcers alone make those games fun to watch. Next, Defensive Player of the Year. This is a runaway. I don't, I genuinely don't think, I don't want to hear Ben Simmons people. No, this is Rudy Gobert, like, by a landslide. He's unbelievable. He's so underrated somehow. He's overpaid, I will say that. But, no, he is the best defensive player in the league. By far, hands down, easily. Um, definitely helps when you're 7'2", and uh, you also are, like, not like a big 7'2", just like a like an athletic 7'2", but... Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I really need to say that much about Rudy Gobert because people know about his ability. Uh, he's got the athleticism, he's got the stretch, he's got, he's developed post game. So, and that's not too defensive related, but he's really starting to get a, a lot more fundamentally sound offensively. He just needs a jump shot, man. If Rudy Gobert could get a jump shot, he's an MVP candidate, easily, easily, easily. Look at Jokic. He's literally just like an athletic version, more athletic version of Jokic. That's if he can get a jump shot. That's all it is. Um, so yeah. Easily, I'm not even gonna spend that much time on it. Uh, most improved player, again, should be a runaway. Julius Randle, hello? <laughs> Everyone was like, wow, New York overpaid for him the last year when they when he signed. They're like, that was a, that was a, okay, that was a weird signing. And then this year he's an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so NBA players, if you wanna be good in the NBA, be drafted by the Lakers and then make sure you're traded <laughs> before you can finish your rookie contract because Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. I guess oh, Kyle Kuzma's gotten worse <laughs> somehow. Uh, Josh Hart. Like, this is just a thing that happens with ex-LA. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Like, this is just the thing that happens. So, hey, if you want to have success, go to the go to the Lakers and then get the fuck out of there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, Julius Randle is the heart and soul of this New York Knicks organization and their team right now. I love the way they play. It's got, like, like we'll talk about the Knicks in a second. So, yeah, congratulations to Julius Randle. Uh, six man of the year, another Utah Jazz. Look at the Jazz getting two awards. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, he could be a starter. Like, he genuinely could be a starter, but I, I think the way, the way the Jazz utilize him is awesome. You don't want to, it's not always the best to have your best players uh, in your starting lineup because then they're exhausted and when your bench comes in, they're obviously, it's just, they're just less skilled than your starters. That's why they're bench players for a reason. But if you have someone who's skilled enough to be a starter on like half of the NBA, the teams in the NBA right now, and he's on your bench, He's not a bench player. He's essentially just a starter on your bench, as the sixth man is, and uh, he plays it perfectly well. He knows his role. That's what I love about Jordan Clarkson, too. He doesn't complain about being the sixth man. He knows his role. He plays that role. Another Laker who got better when he left the Lakers. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he could be a starter on probably any NBA team right now that doesn't have, like, Steph at point guard, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, like, the, uh, Chris Paul... Uh, Kyrie and Russell Westbrook like so all but like six teams I'm probably forgetting some but like seriously it, he could be a starter on all these teams so 
Um, yeah, shout out to Jordan Clarkson. I love watching him play. Him and Rudy Gobert, since I am in Utah, I love watching him play. They're absolutely electric to watch. Um, I hope to see you guys soon, like in person. Uh, Coach of the year. I talked about it. I know this is going to be this is this is going to be uh, controversial, but Tom Thibodeau, man. Shout out to Tibbs. And I don't know who. I don't know why this is controversial. I just know it is, but like I don't know. I don't understand why this is controversial. You want you want to tell me that this Knicks team would be how good they are right now, a playoff team, if Tibbs wasn't on the team? No, Tibbs is a culture changer. Like, like not just like a culture guy. Like he's a culture changer. That dude. Like when he was with Minnesota, a lot of people were like, "Oh, Jim Butler's the problem because he's so mean." Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no, Tibbs. Tibbs ran it like a like a hard. Uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> like a like a. <laughs> He's strict and he keeps his players accountable. Uh, I love that too. One of my favorite things to watch with Tibbs is like he doesn't play the starter. He doesn't play a player because of their notoriety. If they have a starter and uh, a bench player is doing better, he's going to let that bench player play because that bench player has a hot hand. He's not going to go, oh, well, this the starter is the starter, so we have to put him in. That's not what happens. Um, he, he utilizes the team to their greatest strengths, I feel like. And like I just like the fact that he holds players accountable. I think that's that 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 instills a, a sense of discipline within a team and that's why i think they've had a, a couple of the young guys being breakout players this year and i think that's another reason that julius randall i don't think julius randall is like a, an undisciplined player there's construction going on can y'all not please why it's it's like it's like 2:45 in the afternoon why are you doing construction uh but no i think tom Thibodeau is easily the reason why the knicks are how they are i mean if you look at the the chaos that is that organization just from the ownership standpoint yeah no like Tom Thibodeau is the main reason and the only reason why the Knicks are in a playoff contention right now. Or in a playoff seed right now. So now we're going to move on to two teams. These are like the non-NBA awards. These are two that I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about the most surprising team. And I just talked about them. <laughs> it's the Knicks. Who saw this coming? No one did. Don't look. Look at me. You didn't see this coming. No, you didn't. St shout up. Shout up. No, you didn't. If if I would have told you before the season started that the Knicks were going to be a possible top five seed in the in the in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, you would not you would not believe me. You think I was crazy. You think I was nuts. You think I was nuts. No one saw this coming. Again, attribute this to Coach Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I'm not going to spend that much time on it because I just talked about it for the most part. But yeah, no, they they are easily the most surprising team. I think the runner-up for this could have been the Suns. Um, but again, the Suns did acquire a Hall of Fame player who has been a culture changer for his entire career. So like we all could have seen like, oh, the Suns are probably going to make the playoffs. The Knicks do not have anything like that. Now let's go to the opposite. Let's talk about the most disappointing NBA team. Let's see, who, who's on the top of your guys' mind? Oh, them? Nope, it's not them. Oh, them? Nope, not them either. Hmm? Mm -mm. No, no, no. Um. Hi, Boston. You guys are underachieving to the balls right now. What? You guys are barely the eighth seed. Barely. Barely. You guys are also barely above 500. How? Have you seen your roster? You guys also didn't make any moves at the trade deadline that greatly improved your team. You didn't make any great free agent signings, honestly. Like, one of the things I was talking about early in the season, I was like, yeah, the, the, the Celtics will get on track because they'll probably uh, go after Boogie Cousins or like a Miles Turner or someone for the uh, that they can get down low as a big. No, they just traded away Daniel Tyson instead and got another guard. What are you doing? <laughs> 
you guys, this is a team at the beginning of the season I was like, could be the th like the third seed. I think the Nets and the Bucks for me like the top two seeds. The Sixers are another team that could have been the most surprising, but they have the talent there, so that's not a reason I put them there. But like, yeah, so the, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets were the top three, but I still thought that the Celtics, after last year, like, why would they be able to? You guys have the young talent, you guys have the coaching uh, talent with Brad Stevens, you guys have a good, I think Danny Ainge is a good GM, he usually does good trades, but he's been so bad this year. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't understand how this is, how you guys are barely an eight seed. You guys extremely underachieving, honestly. If you guys miss the playoffs, I won't feel bad for you because you put your guys self in that situation. I also wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'd love to see them in the playing series because I want to see if there's a team hungrier than them to get in. All right, cool. So we're gonna close that out. And in the next segment, oh, I'm so excited to talk to this guy. So make sure you guys stick around. I'm, I, I'm, this is one like, I've been looking forward to this for so long. We hinted at it last week. Uh, yeah, so stick around for my conversation, guys. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the second segment of the podcast. Like I said in the first segment, I kind of teased it. Uh, we do have a huge guest coming on. We teased it last week, too, because we were talking about it and getting everything set up. But we got we got the main man, Nick Farabaugh, in the house today. Nick, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, this is, this is really fun. Always fun to talk Steelers, especially on really, really fun, you know, podcasts. And you guys, you guys are putting in the work. Upcoming, I'm really excited to be on today. Thanks, man. Honestly, it's so nice to talk Steelers to someone who actually knows the thing. Like, you can look at my channel. I, I, I rant about the Steelers all the time, and I'm, like, ranting to a camera because no one knows what I'm talking about. Um, but so, Nick, if you guys don't know, he uh, he is a writer for the Steelers and University of Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh Sports Now. He's also a production assistant for the ACC as well as being a broadcaster for WPTS Sports. He's he's already got his foot in the door. He's going to be making moves for the rest of his life. He's already, you know, making a career out of this. So shout out to you. Are you from Pittsburgh? I am. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I am. Now, my my yeah, parents are from Pittsburgh. Uh, shout out Shady Side is where my mom's from. I, yeah. I don't live there, I mean, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys are uh, pretty close to Pitt, not too far. From yeah. The University of Pittsburgh. That's so. my pa my parents yeah. went to Pitt, so uh, we got Makes we got sense. some ties there, which is nice. Um, so yeah, the nice thing that we'll be doing for this segment is all things Steelers, which as you guys know, huge Steelers fan for my part. So I finally get to share that with someone. So Nick, I'm uh, I'm just kind of curious to your overall thoughts. Um, we'll talk about the draft in a minute, but I'm just curious about your thoughts on free agency. You know, the, the three biggest things, obviously, uh, losing Dupree, uh, losing Hilton, and then also keeping uh, Juju. I'm curious your thoughts on the free agency. Mixed bag um, of sorts. It really sucked losing Steven Nelson, I think. That was my biggest thing. You know, expecting kind of Dupree to walk, expecting Filer to walk. You expect that. James Conner was expected. Like, all that was expected. I'm glad they kept guys like Juju and Vince. I think that was really key. It kind of diminishes some knees that they have. And I also like that they brought in a good bit of O-line depth. So Joe Haig, Shot Coward, B.J. Finney. I think those are really nice signings. So where, you know, if the Steelers do have injuries along the line, they can at least bear those. Um, but there were a few things that just creating a huge hole at cornerback, I think, was something that really bumped me. Because, you know, this is a corner room that has had – dysfunction for the better half of a decade and then you finally get it right yeah. and then two of the four guys including one to a division rival yeah like and now they have like five million in cap space to where you know they could use it to they could have used that to maybe get hilton back and it's like it sucks and steven nelson was released for cap reasons so i mean i don't know maybe they have plans after the draft maybe to make a signing somewhere 
um, after the compensatory deadline. So I like what they did um, in terms of like filling out some depth needs, and I don't think they're done. I think they're going to add a little bit more um, after the draft to kind of see how that works out. But, yeah, they created a, a need for themselves um, by cutting Steven Nelson. I think that was that was the real bummer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the biggest needs I have for Pittsburgh going into the draft, at least, is we have I've O line, and the number two is corner, and then I have safety, and then I have running back. And you, you kind of talked, obviously, James Conner left, and then Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton both walked. Uh, well, I guess we released Steven Nelson, and then we let uh, Hilton walk, like you said, to the Bengals of all people. And then uh, we just lost a lot of O linemen this year. I mean, Villanueva is still unsigned by anyone, which is kind of wild, but the big one was obviously being pouncy. And so, you know, going into this draft, it, it's really. Being in the back half of the draft kind of sucks because, like, the, you, you're you basically just trying to find that gold amongst bronze, really, because you don't know who's going to hit and who's not going to at that point. And, like, part of me would love to take a corner, but, I mean, we saw how Artie Burns per- turned out last time we took a first-round cornerback, so I'm kind of scared. Um, for my, like, my dream scenario, if we could, like, for the first three picks that we have, at 24, if we could have uh, Tevin Jenkins, I'd love that. I'd love that. That'd be fine. I'd be happy with that. You know, he, he had a, he has a really, really good tape. I think he'd fit in really well to Pittsburgh uh, scheme, and I think he'd also help out our running game a lot. And then with 55, if he's still there, which I think there's a chance, if we could get Creed Humphrey to basically be the new Marquise Pouncey, I would love that. Honestly, I wouldn't mind me. We kind of talked about this last week. I wouldn't mind taking Creed Humphrey in the first round. I think he's a like a, a hit no matter what. He's one of JP's my guys. Like, if we took him in the first, a lot of people would call it a reach. That's why I put him in our, with our 55 pick. Um, and then for my, our, our third pick with at the 87, I think Jamar Johnson would be kind of interesting just to kind of fill that safety role because I'm kind of worried about where uh, Edmonds is going to go this season. So I'm curious, like, first three picks, what do you think Pittsburgh should do? Well, they should attack the O-line. Like, it's nobody's business. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I, w- I think Jenkins is high on my board as well. Okay. I like Tevin Jenkins. Um, if by chance cr- – the, the dream is Darasaw. The dream is Darasaw. Yeah. I, don't, I can't see it. That's the dream. Um, <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. We get Christian Darasaw. That's the dream. But, you know, there, there are many tackles there. Jenkins, Cosme, mm-hmm. um, you know, tons of guys that could be there. And I would be okay with, like – Leatherwood, Eichenberg, mm-hmm. so many. Um, I de- but yeah, I like Creed Humphrey there as well. I also wouldn't mind if they went like Asante Samuel Jr. I don't think he's a reach. Kind of how you know Creed. Hum- I think people would call that a reach. I don't. If he was six foot, we'd be talking about him as a top fifteen pick. He's he's a very good football player. Yeah. Very fluid. Has ball skills. Can play off man. Fitting kind of the Steelers scheme similar. To what they did at Ford State, they played very similar coverages. The single high looks with Minka, obviously, is a Steelers staple. Yep. And I think he's he's very good in the running game as well. You know, very uh, versatile, kind of what he can do. I like Asante Samuel Jr. and I also like Jeremiah Usukormo. Yes. He's he's a dude that can just do so much for this defense. And you know, I mean, let's 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 talk about the cat in the bag, I guess, if you will. It's Najee Harris, right? Like, yeah. I don't hate that. If, and I'll say this, if. They go running back and then attack O line hard in rounds two through four. That's when I don't hit it. That's that's exactly the way I am. That's like exactly the way I don't. Here's the thing. I hate first-round running backs because I think running backs are super replaceable. And I think if you look at the history, most first-round running backs don't pan out after about three years. They start to fizzle out because you get tape on them because the game starts uh, catching up to them. And so, like, 24 again, we're like basically a second-round pick at this point. And so it's like, 
if he really does fall that far, maybe. And and you, uh, Nick actually tweeted out earlier that it's like it's it's probably either Najee or Zavin. So like, what are we gonna do? And I really don't want to take Zavin at 24. So like, if I had to choose between those two, it would have to be Najee. But I'm in the exact same boat as you. If they take Najee, I will not be disappointed if in the next two rounds they attack like hard, like you said, hard attack O line because one of our biggest issues last year is we couldn't run the ball. So how? It's like the Raiders, they sold their entire offensive line, and then they signed Kenyon Drake. It's like, how are you supposed to run the ball if you don't have an offensive line? So how are we supposed to, you know, provide for Najee Harris if we don't have an O-line to block for him? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, if they go running back, they need to go O-lines. But I would, my personal would be at one of the guys we talked about. And then I think, you know, round two at 55, I think we can get into corner here. Maybe a, an Eric Stokes, and Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden, someone like that, then corners. A possibility there's hybrids mm-hmm. there's certainly like safety corner hybrids like a hampson to cyril dean that are very interesting to me mm-hmm. um and like round three there's like baron browning there's spencer brown i love spencer brown yeah. i love spencer brown from northern iowa i like dylan raddins from uh, north dakota state i think they're gonna have options they're gonna have a lot of options and th- there's one good thing about a running back in round one like Najee. there this is the this is the class to do it. there are so many good yeah, lineman at center and tackle. So if there's anything about that, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think corner also. I mean, you have, in my opinion, I think they can't leave day two without a corner. That's just my personal opinion. I would, even with a Najee pick, if you go running back, say center, then go corner, and then you attack, you know, tackle round four. There's enough tackles in round four to where I could say, you know, there are there could be a guy that could push Banner or Chukes out of that spot. Obviously, Dotson. Last year, guard guards are more fungible than tackle, but mm-hmm. tackle this year is 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 a different beast. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. For for me, it's like you said, there are so many tackles in this draft, and it's such a good tackle draft that like that's why I really if if Creed Humphrey is like for sure because his ADP right now is I think like sixty third. So if he if he is around there, I would love Creed Humphrey at fifty five, just because like it's not a deep center draft, and it's really hard to replace a Marquise Pouncey. Um, and then in the third or fourth round, we could attack tackle because we could attack the tackle position because there's so many tackles. Um, I'm kind of curious what you think about this. At 128, my mock, I have I have us taking uh, Hunter Long, the tight end. Well, I'm curious what you think about that. The only reason, like, I like Ebron a lot, but I'm not sure Pittsburgh's going to retain him for much longer. And we don't have anyone <laughs> because Vance retired and we don't have a future at the position. So I'm curious, at 128, what you think about that or if you had any other thoughts about who Pittsburgh could take at 128. Yeah, I mean, tight end is is one of those positions that they need. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I can't take that because I have more pressing needs. Like, I feel like, or you feel like they're more likely to go linebacker because they just draft linebackers. Like, it's nothing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's a linebacker this year. Another linebacker. Yeah. And they need an edge. So it's like, well, you need outside linebackers. So, but like, Hunter Long is a good football player. I think he's one of the better blockers in the class. Yeah. He's super smooth in and out of his routes, high points the ball well. Not certain he's a, you know, phenomenal football player, but a solid player who I think can be a tight end one. And I think there are many tight ends that the Steelers could could look at. Tommy Tremble, Trey McKitty, mm. um, Kenny Yaboa. There are a few names. Um, not a great tight end class, but I, I like Long. At 128, that's really good value. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that one t- round four is, is weird. It kind of depends what they do, obviously, but... I think they, this is an edge spot, perhaps. Maybe an Ellerson Smith goes here to the Steelers. Um, Janarius Robinson, someone like that from edge or at linebacker today. Um, 
maybe I mocked uh, Dylan Moses. I think that would be a really good pick for them. Okay. Um, a coverage backer. Yeah. Um, so you know, there, there's needs. Yeah. Um, okay. Nick, I'm gonna tell you my like my one biggest. Do not do this in the draft for the Steelers. And I, I think your tweet. I think you tweeted about this today. So I think you're kind of on my side. If Pittsburgh so much as touches Kyle Trask, Nick, I will lose. My mind. There is one quarterback I will I could maybe justify Pittsburgh taking in a later round, and that is Sam Ellinger out of Texas. He's only one. He's only later on quarterback I kind of like. If they touch Trask in the second or third round, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> oh my god! Let's let's hope they stay so far away from Kyle Trask. It's not even fun. Thank you. <laughs> I. This guy is SEC Mason Rudolph, and maybe a worse version of Mason. Like. This is what he is. This is what this guy is. Like he is not a he does he's a statue. He doesn't have a great arm. He's not particularly accurate. He misses reads. Like what is he, man? Like what's the upside? What's the upside? You're literally drafting Mason's replacement. I know. You're just you're getting a third quarterback on the roster. Not that we also have Haskins, and then no one will. We, there's no way we could trade Mason's. So we'd have to just release. Like it's just we don't need a quarterback. The only okay, I did see this from you though. If we were to trade up. Like, if we were to give up a, you know, Devin Bush type of haul for someone like a Justin Fields or a Trey I'm higher on Trey Lance than I am with Justin Fields, but if we could trade up for Justin Fields and, like, for what we gave up for Devin Bush, it's like you said. I think you said this, like, verbatim was, like, if you trade that for a linebacker, you can trade that for a quarterback. And so I agree there. Um, now, leaving the draft for a quick second, I'm just curious for you, like – the three b- biggest priorities for Pittsburgh heading into and during the season. For me, I've just got extend TJ, um, develop Chase Claypool as a number one wide receiver because it looks like we might lose Juju next year. And then also, this is a kind of an odd one, but uh, I think bringing back Avery Williamson on a cheap deal would be really good to mentor the younger players, uh, specifically like Devin Bush and Robert Spillane, because we saw how good Robert Spillane was last year. Um, and so I'm just curious about that. I would have said extend Minka, but he, we did give, pick up his fifth-year option, so we don't have to worry about that for another year. So I'm curious where you kind of stand with the three biggest needs for Pittsburgh. Yeah, three biggest things that they should do. Let's just talk about the umbrella. Developing young offensive linemen. Yeah. That includes their rookies, Kevin Dotson. I would include Zach Banner and as a core four 100%, here. yeah. While they are veterans, they are not tenured as starters. So develop your offensive line. There's going to be growing pains no matter what. But if by the season's end, they have a rock-solid O-line, perhaps heading into the playoffs, but they bust, you know, a O-line that's starting to, to work together, really protecting Ben, they're running the ball well, I think that they can set up a recipe for success, even in Ben's limited form right now. Um, other thing that they need to do, I think, develop Terrell Edmonds. Now, because I don't expect them to draft a safety, like yeah. a true safety. They could draft a hybrid like a, a Hamsa, a Divine Diablo, um, or Darius Washington, like these guys. But these guys aren't exactly what Edmonds is. And Edmonds is a guy that has taken strides each year incrementally, and he's now an average safety. I need him to be more than just an average safety. I need him to become a above-average player. And he's a guy that I think really has Bud Dupree-esque qualities when I mean he could go in, like, year five and break out because yeah. he was so raw. And they've developed him. I mean, he's gotten better each year. So we'll see. I don't know how that's going to work out with him long term, but I think that's going to be a key piece, especially with more onus on him in the secondary this year with a rookie corner probably starting somewhere 
rookie whatever in the slot is probably going to be starting or Pierre is going to be on the boundary. So Edmonds is going to be, they're going to rely on Minka and Edmonds to really be the, the backhaul along with Joe Hay. So I think that's very important. Uh, and then the other thing, personally, they need to work with Ben to fit this offense like a glove to him. Yes. And this is like, it's just, it's like, it's like Matt Canada's offense and Ben are not, they don't really mesh, right? Like they're very opposites of each other mm. because Canada's kind of got this Shanahan-esque qualities to him where he does a lot of bootlegs and rollouts and a lot of play action. And Ben, that's not Ben. Yeah. So how can we fit this to Ben? And how can we fit this to the personnel? So kind of finding this balance between Canada, between Canada's concepts for making Ben comfortable, I think is going to be a big time story to watch uh, for how this season works out for them. Yeah, no, um, on the Edmonds front, it's funny because, you, you know, obviously at the beginning of the segment, you're talking about Pittsburgh drafting a, a corner. And if they do that, one of the, the, this would kind of overtake one of the priorities. This was like my fourth one, essentially. It would just be go after Richard Sherman if we do draft a cornerback because I, I think he'd be a good mentor for a corner and also for Edmonds because I think that would really help Edmonds on the coverage side. Um, but then in relation to the whole Matt Canada thing, dude, I cannot tell you how many times last season. So first of all, I'm a huge Matt Canada supporter, uh, but I agree with you 100% that, you know, his... His we, we signed him as the OC for the future, not really for Ben. This is just kind of play out Ben's year. But, man, watching Randy Finkner's horrible schematics last season was killing me so hard. And then in Week 17, when we let Matt Canada call the plays and Mason almost threw for, like, three TDs and 350 yards, I was like, okay, if we can get things worked out with Ben, we will be the team that we should have been last year. Um, I do agree with you, though. Like, Ben's – limitations phys- physically is going to be kind of an issue um i but it's nice because i think we have the wide receivers that fit the scheme we have the ru- we have the running backs no matter what because matt canada i mean obviously he worked with uh, mcfarland in, at maryland and uh so we have the running backs fit the scheme and we'll probably be able to build our own line towards the scheme but the big question mark is ben i do think it'll take probably four or five games for ben to adjust luckily we do have an added game this season but um I don't know, man. I just think after Randy having Ben throw a million slants and drag routes, like, I, you, I couldn't tell you how many times I was so upset with all these stupid media people being like, oh, Ben's washed because he throws one-yard dink dunks. It's like, no, that's all he's designed to do. And then it was like the most the, – did you think that Randy was, like, very, very predictable offensively? Yes, he was not a good OC at all. Thank year. you. Like, like, part of it was definitely Ben not being Ben. And we have to rely that Ben is essentially Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Oh. Which sucks, but, yeah, that's kind of what he is. Um, he's like a Garoppolo golf type quarterback now where he's like a facilitating point guard. Like, I'm sorry, this is what Ben is right now. He can't move outside the pocket anymore because he has arthritic knees. He has a better arm than both of them. Oh, so man. <laughs> like, he can actually – here's the thing. Goff – Goff is scared of pressure. Ben isn't scared of pressure. That's fair. Because he's tough as nails. And and Garoppolo has a noodle arm, essentially, or he just has no accuracy at all. Ben Ben can push the ball down the football field. So he has more dynamic ability. And Ben, I don't know, maybe Ben has some out-of-pocket movement still. Maybe it was just because he busted his knee against Dallas last year yeah. to where it screwed everything up. So we'll see. But I think Ben is essentially a game manager at this point, and that's why you have to surround him with the best possible offense and you know just really culture him kind of to what he needs because again ben is a limited quarterback now and that doesn't mean he's washed it just means he's no longer what he was which was an elite ascending quarterback yeah 
Um, realistically, how many wins do you think Pittsburgh can get next season? They could go twelve and five, but it's a tough it's a tough schedule. So probably like ten and seven somewhere around there is probably more um, realistic. Um, nine and eight, ten, seven, eleven and six somewhere around there. With the feel weird saying that those records because of the old seventeen game schedule coming, right. and they have a really tough schedule because they're playing a first team play schedule, obviously because they've won the North. Yeah. Um. So it's not going to be easy, but I think they have enough pieces if they can hit on the draft. Um. We fill out some of these depth needs through free agency. I think they can possibly contend. Yeah, I think, you know, last year we saw the glimpses of a, a defense that was leading a team. I mean, I think the 8-8 eight and eight season alone showed that, like, all we were was a quarterback away. And last season, it seems, okay, we weren't just a quarterback, we were also a coordinator away. And we got the new coordinator, we finally have a quarterback back in his second, like, year actually back from injury. So I'm hoping, I think 12 wins is probably, I think the over-under for them is uh, 10.5 right now via Vegas. And I think 12 is probably a smart, is a, is a good, like, guess. Um, but like you said, they, they finished first in the division, so... Uh, they have to play a really, really rough schedule. And obviously in the 17th game, they had to pick up Seattle. So that's fun. At least it's in Pittsburgh. Um, Nick, man, I can't say enough. Thank you for joining me. Like, honestly, super nice to be able to sit down and talk to Steelers with someone who knows Steelers and I'll just have to, like, rant at someone or at the camera for 20 minutes. I really appreciate it. Um, hey, you guys, you guys see that? Yeah, that's Nick's at right there. It's at FB on Twitter. Make sure you guys check him out. Show him some love. He tweets all the time. Believe me, I'm always looking forward to his tweets because they kind of help me get a good idea of what the Steelers are going to be doing in the future. Uh, Nick, thanks again, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks, man.